Welcome, travelers. We're aware that your journey was difficult, but prepare to have your questions answered, for you have been granted an audience with the Masters of Moth. And welcome back to Masters of Modern. I am your host, Alex Kessler, here with my co-host, Ben Bateman. What's up, guys? Sitting in the front seat of a car in Bentonville, Arkansas, with my boy, Alex Kessler. We're back. We're on the road. We're on the road. We're Sorry, doing we, we missed last week's episode, mostly because of on-the-road things. I was in Hong Kong. Yep, I was not in Hong Kong. You were driving across the country with Jack Kerouac. Yeah, exactly, exactly. That's, and an, now... on the, that's an on-the-road reference. Yeah. Did you have to read that in high school? I didn't. Oh. But I know what you're talking I about. I spent an entire semester just well, on that one book. And we're already and, off the rails. Yep. <laughs> so, Masters of Modern is obviously a podcast about the game Magic the Gathering, and we talk about modern, the format of Magic that is specifically the best one. Talking about the best game in the you. world, Magic the Gathering, and of course the best format in the world, the modern format. That would be an excerpt from the station, 10 Minutes of Modern on Anchor. Is that your opening for 10 yeah, Minutes of Modern? most of the time, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And you guys can find it. So actually, guys, it, you know, if you missed last week, some of you have, have uh, keyed into the fact that you, there's 10 minutes of content a day now coming out, officially, official Masters of Modern content on Anchor.fm. Um, it's like Twitter meets podcast and free app downloaded. It's awesome. I had Corey Burkhardt on the show this week uh, talking on a similar subject. We're going to be talking here on the show. Uh, we're going to have more and more pros coming on that show and this show. And if you want daily content to kind of keep up with what's going on, trends, uh, check that out. That's the best way to do it. I will say, I, I haven't sort of shared this on here before, but what keeps the app going and growing is if you guys listen to the content through it. So even if you have, if you click the links on Facebook or whatever, just download the app and log in so that it's getting a play through the app. The more of those we get, the company's going to start letting me give away stuff. They're going to start like you know like actually doing things that I can I can give back to you guys for uh, for being supporters of the show. So uh, that's my preamble about ten minutes of modern, which has been a lot of fun recently. And otherwise, let's uh, let's cover some of our quick shoutouts before we get into today's episode. Yeah, you should follow you know Twitter, the MMCast. I am at Kess Wiley. I am at Ben Bateman Media. You should follow us on in the Facebook group. It is the best way to communicate with us and our community that's kind of built around it. It's where, we, you know, there's there's day-to-day content explosions. We get really cool stuff going on there. I definitely recommend it. Um, About 2,000 people in there right now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, also, make sure to check out our sister podcast the command zone uh they are at collected.company which is also the website you can find us if you're listening to us on itunes or somewhere else go to collected.company you can see all of our backlog you can see all the command zones backlog they do awesome commander content every single week plus they do game nights which is the crazy show they do on youtube where it's 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 kind of like a reality show where they play commander or other kind of magic formats and they have this whole setup uh they get cool other guests on yeah definitely check them out awesome. yeah yeah i mean that's the reality is that they're they've they've exploded into the ether of uh, magic content now where game nights is like a straight-up show it's like a straight-up televised show right it's like lots of people watching it's right. awesome yep. that's really a lot of fun uh yeah we have a patreon uh that's you know the last thing we the the ability for us to be recording this right now in this car is due to the fact that we have a patreon it that patreon helped pay for this equipment that is mobile and our old equipment was breaking, and we need a new one. So all that together, you, the, our patrons are the reason we are able to do this show, and we appreciate them to a great, great deal. And we would love for you to join them. Head over to patreon.com, look for the MMCast. Absolutely. Uh, I think that pretty much wraps up everything that we like to do shout-out-wise. So let's get into the episode today. We we want to do a little bit of a review of what's going on in the modern metagame at the moment. That It's kind of an interesting metagame. Things have been changing around. And as we move forward towards this next Modern Pro Tour in February... It will be interesting to follow the next three and a half months 
of the metagame to see yeah. now that people are safe from a banning, what are going people going to commit to? What kind of archetypes are going to pop up? And how are we going to combat the big bads? So let's talk first about the fact that there was no banning. Uh, we haven't gotten to actually recap that since that happened. And I think a lot of people were very surprised. There was a few decks on people's minds. Uh, I think there were some Grixis Shadow ideas. Mox Opal was on the table for some people. Yeah, and, and Wizards' basic opinion was that there's actually zero cards currently in the format that they believe are worthy to ban. And that they also believe that the Pro Tour, that the modern Pro Tour coming out in this January, February, is going to be a better testing platform to make sure there doesn't need to be any bans. And because they now have the opportunity to ban before and or after a Pro Tour, they're waiting until after the Pro Tour to ban anything, though they currently have the opinion that there is nothing worth banning. They did say, and this is the more fascinating thing, is that there are multiple or there is a card or two on the ban list that they are heavily considering unbanning, but they would like to see how the Pro Tour goes before unbanning anything. Yeah, and we've, you know, I, I think we would just do a whole episode about that, except that we've had a couple episodes recently literally about bannings and unbannings. Hashtag free Bread Elf. Yeah. And it, so <laughs> I think, yeah. BBE, I think is the correct hashtag. In a nutshell, the major predictions, um, I did a, a bit on Anchor this week about it, which actually you guys can find now. It's all podcasted. It's all available on the all the places you can find podcasts under 10 Minutes of Modern. But I talked about the four cards that uh, were, you know, the most notable uh, for unbannings and kind of and rattled through them. And I, I do think Blood Bright Elf's at the top of the list. Um, it does yeah, seem like... Ch Chaz Andre re recently released an article where he kind of goes over every card. And his basically the thesis statement that he had was other than blood braid elf every single other card has people reacting to them in one extreme or another you know people some people think jace can be unbanned some people think jace is the worst thing that could possibly happen for modern some people think stoneforge mystic can be unbanned me uh, other people think it would be terrible for the format so and then there's the crowd of people that just like don't change anything it's a perfect butterfly we should keep it as it is don't don't mess with it and so it's fascinating to see what they're going to end up doing bloodbraid elf seems to be the obvious one and we've talked about stoneforge mystic at least 10 times before we've talked about jace we've talked about everything else it's an extremely polarizing subject i mean you, you're you know, like you said, preordain, and then some people have talked about the possibility of Green Sun Zenith coming off, and people have talked about. I, I, I saw a strong argument for Deathrite Shaman, which I then like spent a day talking about because it's absurd and too powerful and it, should not be legal in modern. It, yeah, it, it was it was funny because you released that episode, and then like the next three days, every single website, uh, Magic website, had an article about how Deathrite Shaman needed to be banned out of Legacy because yeah, so it was crazy. like a top. There's 32 copies of it in the top eight of the last Legacy event. Um, so good. But I think if we really want to talk about it, there's like the top four people that we get the most responses to as far as cards go, starting with Bloodbraid Elf, followed by Stoneforge Mystic, followed by Jace, followed by Splinter Twin, and Bloodbraid Elf definitely seems safe, and you know, Deathrite Shaman, a lot of people blame for why it was being banned. Stoneforge Mystic is often brought up as probably the second most likely one. Um, High impact cards of that nature, I wouldn't do. Like, I wouldn't unban both of those at the same time. If I was going to do something like it, I might do, like, Green Sun Zenith and Preordain. But I don't think I would do two super, super high-impact cards. I just don't think I would do those t those two. I don't know. They've done two. They've done, them, they've done them in twos before. Actually, they've almost always done it in twos. Hmm. Uh, other than Valkut. Uh, Golgari, Grave Troll, and... Uh, Better Blossom? Better Blossom came out at the same time. Visions and Sword of the Meat came off at the same time. It's always in twos. So, 
that's definitely something they, they try to do. Partly, I think, because if they're going to unban one powerful thing, at least then there's two new things that people can be doing. And because Stoneforge Mystic and Bloodbraid Elf don't necessarily... I mean, some you know, a Naya deck playing both of them could work out, but that's three colors that are currently... Like, a, a mid-range Naya deck is not seeing any play right now, so it's something that maybe they'd be worth considering because also you have the Jund option or Junk option, and neither of those decks could play both. A blood, yeah, a Bloodbraid Elf Stoneforge Mystic deck that was playing, like, one Batterskull, two Swords, where you could, like... You could like Bloodbraid Elf into a protection sword. So I just don't think they play swords. I think you just Sick. play. Yeah, I think maybe <laughs> they play one. Uh, okay, but that's the band. And, and then the last two is Jace. And I think Jace is more of a meme at this point. I think people ask to get on banned Jace. Like some people honestly do believe it, but I think other people just say it because it's funny to say. We've never had a conversation with a pro who any of us have any respect for that has said anything other than that would be the worst possible thing that could right. ever happen to modern. And and look, I I've seen the logical arguments against it, guys. I've seen it. I understand it. You know, like, it's true. It's a mid-range four-drop. Like, mid-range four-drops in Modern are a tall order, so it would definitely shift the control decks to, like, a very grind. But, like, it, it's so good. The card does everything. Right. I, I, I just think it's... Un, I, we can... I don't... We don't need to get in a hundredth conversation about why Jay shouldn't be unbanned. And then the last one is Splinter Twin. I think that's more emotional than anything else. I th and I, I'm with everyone. I, I had Splinter Twin when it was banned, and it sucked, but... I think the format is just significantly healthier and better without that combo in the format. Yeah, it's a shame. Cause and, I, I, and I don't think Wizards is currently willing to unban that. I think I think their Bloodbraid Elf is a lock, and Stoneforge Mystic is a card that they are probably heavy, heavily looking at. Stoneforge Mystic, or, or uh, 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 Splinter Twin, is... I, I loved the days that Splinter Twin was legal. I had a conversation with someone about this, my friend Lucas, uh, who incidentally was somebody that I knew in high school, fell out of touch with for years, was in a wedding with me last weekend, and listens to our show okay <laughs> he like didn't play magic back then got into magic in the last five oh, years listens to the show. brought his grixis deck to the wedding as one of the grooms oh, hoping that i was going to bring a deck <laughs> told me to bring one and like legitimately like had a fan out moment with me we're talking about our shape interview which was the coolest oh, thing nice. he was like it's one of the best interviews i had a cool question so lucas if you're listening to the show i don't know if you are but big shout out to you buddy it's good to see you so anyway um I think the thing with Splinter Twin is that, because I said to him, I, I kind of wanted Splinter Twin to come back, and he said, no, it's such a healthier format now, and if you analyze the information in Modern, and you're somebody who, who discusses it a lot like we do, you're not just like a local FNM player, or something, like, neither Alex or myself are actively taking steps right now to qualify for a pro tour playing the Modern format. We play Modern, we enjoy it, we talk about it, and that's that's our frame of reference, and the thing about that is, it's easier to understand information when there's a baseline card like Splinter Twin in the format. That's why, in my mind, those days were easier to wrap my head around because you could kind of use it as a measuring stick for the rest of the format. We don't have a measuring stick anymore. So it's it's diff it's way harder to kind of keep a wrap on what's going on in modern now. You have to... Oh, but people, uh, that's that's a feature, not a bug. I mean, I, I also think we're a long way away. That's for, a good thing. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah. Saying, I'm saying from the point of view of somebody who is an analyst... You and I are basically analysts of a sport, sure. and if there is one dominant team, like the Warriors in basketball right now, it's a lot easier to measure every single other team because it's like, well, are they good enough to beat the Warriors? If they're not good enough to beat the Warriors, then I don't really care. Right. And that's when you lose that, it becomes much more of an open playing field. There's a lot more conversation, and it's harder to have a strong opinion you believe in. That's the difference. Yeah, I have. I, it's very easy for me to believe in my strong opinions, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would say that... We are a long way away from Wizards unbanning cards that they've put onto the ban list. Anywhere, like, I think Bloodbraid Elf will be the first to see an unbanning that they've put on since Troll? the format existed. Oh, you're saying that they ban and then they unban during the Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and, and I would say everything pre-Bloodbraid Elf doesn't count 
in the that's not really that's like the beginning of the modern format to me um all the like if they unban blazing shoal green says that they're blazing shoal like fine that i don't think that counts as in the beginning since the beginning of the modern format i know it technically does but that's like a weird wild west where nothing really existed yet and it was still kind of like what is this supposed to look like i do wonder sometimes if what would happen if they did a full a complete and total unban everything move and just we're going to do this for 12 one calendar year for six months and then we're going to reset I'd be interested to see list. a pro tour with no ban list i also believe that it would just be mental misstep well it was the like the com- it was like the community cup and you saw those major unfair well, they had that a ban list that 10 cards on the ban list oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah i mean I, more I, than that because of the infinity lands but like yeah. what what are the okay we're just digressing so yeah, yeah, hard yeah. from our subject so but back but, to the conversation of cool tournaments that happened yes i do want to talk about that but it's okay because this is a subject that people have been talking about so i think it's okay for us to finish it out just on that topic really quickly what cards exist on that band list that even if you were going to do an unban everything type of tournament what are the cards that you know in your heart are like that just that just can't be legal it's just we a, did this as an episode we did a whole episode about this. We the cards the that were five cards that we would like, even in no ban list modern, we would not ban. Mental misstep was my number yeah. one. Mental right. misstep was your number one. The big miss we had was uh, dark depths. We had like I think I, I had uh, uh, the I had it higher. Enter a creature under the battlefield, draw a card, and it's dark depths. That's like one of the five easy. Um, but yeah, no, no, no. I think like skull clamp. We've, yeah, Skull Clamp. We've had this conversation. Okay. Fair the reason I'm trying to, like, actually, and as much as I love talking about this, jump off the band conversations, we do this conversation a lot, and, yep. and we understand that. So let's let's move on to the term results of last week, where the modern format is right now, yep. how wacky it is that we have blue-green merfolk two weekends in a row. It's so sick. And by wacky, I mean just amazing. I'm so happy that when we did our set review, like, I was, like, so hot on blue-green merfolk, and I, like, I definitely you, you put... we haven't done our set review yet? What? We did a... We've done some like conversations about it on on Anchor, but we haven't done it in the podcast. Yeah, that's not true. Look it up. Are you a hundred percent? We haven't done our set review. I'm eighty percent. I'm willing to look it up now. But let's talk about because I remember decks. talking about Branch Walker and the Blue Green Murfolk. Yeah, because we did that on Ten Minutes of Magic. Oh crap! You're right. We yeah. never did a set review. I don't think we did. That's what happens when you launch a toy company, Alex. I know. I apologize to everyone. We will come out with a set review. It's cool. We get to see more now. <laughs> the Pro Tour hasn't happened yet. So hashtag. I, I don't feel bad. Hashtag priorities. Um. So <laughs> as long as the Pro Tour is not this weekend, um, which is not. Yeah. World Championships happen though. Yeah, that's true. We have but, time. Yeah, but the World Championships had nothing to do with modern, right? No. Yeah. Neither does the Pro Tour. I was so bummed. I was like, I was doing I feel something. Like we have until Pro Tour Ixalan happens to have our salary. Done. I, I like read about the the uh, World Championships. I didn't watch them, and I like was doing something else that weekend. I can't remember what it was. I was maybe I was in Seattle for a wedding or something. But whatever it was, I checked Sunday. I was like, oh yeah, this has been going on all weekend, like crazy. And then I was like, is there modern in this? And I was scrolling through, and I was like, ah, no, there's not. Uh, I don't have the patience. I was like, if there was, I was like, if there was modern, it was here, cool because it was it. Seeing, it was seeing the standard format a little bit new, and, and energy did really well. Um, Just have a hard time carrying that standard, man. Yep. So anyway, um, blue green merfolk, one of the decks that is in the top eight of this past weekend's SCG, uh, as well as it was a top eight deck in the previous SCG, and. I think that it or at least the... at least the previous SUG since we did our last episode. Yeah, <laughs> and so that's really cool because we had conversations about blue green, blue green merfolk and what we thought Branch Walker and Commander Speaker were going to do for the deck. Um, you were co- kind of down on it. You know what's interesting? Collected Company is not a big part of the deck. That's like the big yeah thing we like didn't really kind of consider was just like the merfolk would be good without the Collected Company edition, and it makes sense. I forget who was talking about it, but blue. 
uh, one of the powers of collecting company is when it gets three drops, you're up on mana. You're getting a cheat on at least one of your spells. In Merfolk, it's pretty much only getting two drops, so you're not really getting that big of an up. Plus, you have four Spraying Seas, four Aether Vial, plus removal spells like Dismember. So, like... That version, the list you're talking about, the one that just came out, that's literally every spell in the deck is four Vial, two Dismember, and four Spreading Seas. Correct. Previous versions played, like, two copies of Spell Pierce, um, like, a couple other spells... Uh, I, th- I think I've seen some lists that but have snags it's st- in them. It's still mostly two drops. You're, you have you have right. maybe three three drops in the whole deck. So well, collective company is never going to get you a net positive. It's more often just going to get you a net neutral or worse. And that's because the two cards that got added to the deck that really make it awesome are a one drop and a two drop. So in, unless this current list cut Curse Catcher, I'm pretty sure the previous one was playing it. Um, the this you, one did the first the first one had two I believe. Yeah, and then and then um, Branch Walker is effectively Silvergill five through eight. So that's the be- that's the biggest thing the deck got. The, right. t- the two two for one's good. It is really good, especially because you're it's playing really this this great. You know, like it's going to be a three three on turn two attacking. So it's Nakata on your deck for the most part, but it's the it's the three two for two that's going to be a four three very often by the time you're attacking, or it's going to be a three two that drew you a card. That is really the thing that makes a difference because mm-hmm. Silvergill, Silvergill off a of vial or just Silvergill in general is one of the best things that deck does. And the fact that you have eight of them now is, like, just crazy. Right, right. Very good. Um, so, beyond that, the more exciting thing, to me, personally... Is the winning deck? Is humans. Yeah. Five-color humans. That's five, sweet. Five-color ancient ziggurat, guys. Uh, it's playing... It, it has five... In, yeah, it, it has three four-ofs of gold lands. It plays four ziggurat, four cavern of souls, and four of the new one, whatever it's called... The, the, what's that new card called? I'm Tem- opening the list. It's uh, Unclaimed Territory. Unclaimed Territory, I was going to call it. Because then the tribe claims it, and they're like, this is my territory. I was going to call it Temple, gonna of, ta- ta- I was gonna call it Temple of Territory. That's not a real name. Um, so it plays the 12 gold lands, which is sick. Why would um, you worship territory? <laughs> <laughs> I really, yeah. We're, we're a people that worships the game Risk. The wildest part about this deck, though, is that it plays four Aether Vial and no other spells. 36 creatures. It's yeah, doing that's how Ancient Ziggurat works. It's doing literally all of its damage in the entire deck off of just creatures with effects. Like yeah, it's like like, Kite, Kite Sail Freebooter is, is your thoughts. These. You got you got Meddling Mage as a pseudo-secondary you know, removal spell. Thal- the Thalias do their thing. You have Reflector Mage as a bounce spell. They're, I mean, like, the deck, it, it's surprising how many humans do something. It's playing three copies of Mayor of Averbrook, which previous humans list had eschewed, which I was so bummed about because, like, the fact that a deck just won a major tournament playing three copies of Mayor makes me so happy. It's, it's, yeah? No, no, no. You know how much I love that card. Wait, you like Mayor of Averbrook? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're teasing me. How often do you think they let it flip? Uh, Virtually never. Okay. You think any of the warf- werewolf tokens every turn is worse than just getting the human lord? I think it's the kind of thing that if it's on the battlefield and you run out of cards or something like that, you draw a land and it flips. Like you're not sure. pissed about it because, like, whatever you'll get, a, you'll get a creature, you'll get a, a creature out of it. But I think in general, it's just like a pretty high impact lord that does something cool for you. Right. I, I th- well, I think what, what's interesting about this deck too is like it it has really three human tribal cards. It has Champion of the Parish. Mayor of Everbrook and Thalia's Lieutenant, one of which they're only playing three of, Mayor. And everything else is just kind of humans, but because you're playing all humans, the other main tribal thing is you get to play five color. Right. By having the splash ability, like the power level you're getting for tribal reasons beyond just the three lords is really 
taken to the next level by just being able to play with those two tribal lands. I think this is a direct response to the metagame in a couple different ways. Um, I think this is the best thing that you can do as a creature deck to beat Storm, first of all. That's, that's the first thing that stands out to me here because you're playing four copies of Thalia. You're making sure you don't have any spells in your deck aside from your Aether Vials to actually screw up. So now you can just get away with four Thalia. You're playing sure. four Kite Cell Freebooter, which gets every relevant card out of Storm. And you're playing Meddling Mage to go double down when you kite sail them, and then you slam a Meddling Mage. So now, like, you've taken their spell, and you've made it so they can't play their most important card. And to me, this is this is what the metagame is shifting towards, which is why we're going to talk about the fact there's 16 copies of Aether Vial decks, creature-driven Aether Vial decks, in the top eight here. And what it is is people realizing, okay, I need a way to disrupt my opponent's strategy and set a clock at the same time. The best way to do that is to go... Tons and tons and tons of 1, 2, and 3 drops, like Merfolk. And Merfolk's the only deck we've seen that's doing this in a prominent way for a long time. Like, that's been the deck that does this. Right. But now, they've got more ability to disrupt their opponent. They've got, like, a whole extra level of things they can do with this deck. No, and this deck does look very Merfolk-y. You know, you have two, two, you know, two different two-mana lords that pump everything for four. You have top-end spells that kind of go off. You have, you know, Noble Hierarch makes it so it's a little bit angled toward three drops, but Champion of the Parish plays very much like a... Like, there's a lot of things going on here that feel like, oh, I'm bashing you while I slow you down just enough. Thalia is basically a spreading seas. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think the Merfolk deck has been classically very, very good at doing a couple things. One of them is screwing up your land and giving yourselves unblockability with all your lords. And the second one is playing a tempo game of getting to Vapor, you know, vapor Snag, Dismember, Harbinger of the Tides, Tidebinder Mage, kind of slow down creature decks. But when you're when the big bad that's been going on right now is not a creature deck, you don't care as much about that. You just want to disrupt their spells, which is why this is a great choice. And this is, I think, an interesting direction. So let's just, let's just call, let's call the top eight what it is. You've got this deck, Green Blue Merfolk, you have an Eldrazi in Taxes, and you have a Death in Taxes. So all of those decks are taking advantage of similar effects here. Right. Low curve, not playing as many lands, instant speed, enter the battlefield triggers, getting a threat with your ability. Right. There are other four decks in the top eight, were a Gifts, a gifts deck, a Counters Company deck, an Affinity deck, well, and an Infect deck. And the Gifts deck is Storm. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, we, don't gifts. To, we don't need to... We don't need to... I meant Gift Storm. But, yep. But um, Infect is also a Storm deck, so... Kind of. Yeah, yeah, I know. It was, it, was, that's, it was a joke. <laughs> it was a bad joke. <laughs> Whoa. Shots fired. What's interesting is that if you also look at the next, the other the other SCG uh, Modern Classic from that weekend, you have a completely different top eight. So you have two affinity lists, one burn, one Mardu, one green-red devotion, another Infect, and two Eldrazi Tron. So Infect's back, baby. We got, we got, we got, you know, Frixian's armies. It's back people. enough. What I, what I think is really interesting about the Infect decks being back is that people talk about what happens to a deck when you ban a card, right? So, like, okay, let's just say, for instance, you were to ban Mox Opal from Affinity, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, Affinity gets, I don't know, 25% worse, that Mox Opal. Like, it's it ceases to be a shot out of a cannon can kill you out of nowhere deck. However... It's still I playing. I think a, it can still do that, but I think it just has become it becomes much worse. It's just still playing a lot of really good cards together that have a lot of synergy. It's just right. not quite as fast, right? And maybe people experiment with things. Maybe maybe people try playing Simeon Spirit Guides in the deck or something. See what happens. Who knows, right? Point is, I think it's it's interesting when you see a deck get shot like this. You know, it loses Probe, 
and then come back a little while later when people realize, sure, it's a little more fair, but it's still doing the same thing, which is like kind of just playing like a Splinter Twin game. It's still just sure. bi- it's biding its time, waiting for its moment. What is interesting is how different the two lists are. Yeah. Like, one is very much, it has two Jace, but, like, it basically replaced its Gitaxian probes with Jace. And just, like, kind of has the exact same Rinse game Prodigy. Plan. Rinse Prodigy. Uh, and that was the one uh, piloted by Emma Handy. Um, this one uh, by Kenyon, Kenyon Collins. This one's plays a very standard. It's got, like, no, it's got, like, two Spellskite in the main. It's got, like... It's got a Viridian Corruptor in the main. It's doing a little bit more wackier things. Apostle's Blessing. Only one mutagenic growth versus the other one that had four. It's got a copy of Blossoming Defense. Spoiled by the MM cast. It does have four copies of Blossoming Defense. In the main deck? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Didn't realize that. So, like, two complete, two Rancor, one Wild Defiance in the main. So, like, kind of two different attacks. Yeah. At the same deck archetype. And I think it definitely means that there's potential for this deck to just become a thing again. It's. I mean, look. It's. It's one of those things. It's doing something that is. Fa- it can. It can kill you on the fourth turn of the, of the game still quite easily. It's just not as consistent. Right. So. Uh, anyway, but so that's a, that's affinity or sorry that's in fact shows up. Uh, let's talk. You know the counters company list that showed up is pretty much like what we've seen from counters company. Right. There's not much to it. Um, it's really good. It's. It's the slightly less good version of birthing pod decks from a few years ago, which is what it's really become with that deck. Mm-hmm. It's. You know, this is definitely the the the, uh, the infinite mana. Like, yeah, it's fine. It's it's a, it's a good deck. It plays a lot of good creatures, and it can kill you. It plays townships, right? Yeah. Yep. Yep. It can. Yeah. I mean, it's just, <laughs> this is one of those decks that's like unsurprising. Uh, you know, Great. let's. Yep. Let's talk a little bit about Eldrazi and Taxes and Death and Taxes before we cover this, the Storm deck, because okay. you and I haven't really gotten to on here talk about the Storm deck that much. I, there's a lot of discussion on Anchor about it. Sure. Like, I talked about it for a couple of days, and I had interviews with people, but you and I haven't really gotten to, re- to react to Storm coming back in this big of a way. Talk about why and what it's going to mean for this Pro Tour. So, Eldrazian Taxes, as well as Death and Taxes, both utilizing Aethervile. Both doing the same thing, right? right? Death and Taxes, we've seen a lot of. That's that's a deck well, that's been around. Using Aethervile and Thalia, right? Yep. Both of them play... Yep. Full full comp uh, of this top eight, three of the decks had four Thalia, four Aethervile. Yeah, and I mean that's really good against some of the more degenerate decks in the format. You know, it, it shuts down spell based combo decks. It shuts down yeah, storm. Yeah, well, and you know, it makes the it makes the tutors in Counters Company less good. Sure, it makes Infect way worse. It makes Infect way worse because they you you. I mean, it, it makes their spells more expensive, and then she can block. And because of first strike damage, they have to pump before damage is dealt and it gives you an opportunity to kill their creature before Thalia. It makes ad nauseum worse. It makes yep. all the, the 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 like the uh, is it decks, it makes or the uh, Jeskai decks doesn't make them that much worse. They have lots of removal, but it does make them worse. It slows them down. Sure. They have to spend, you know, a full turn to get rid of your Thalia and then ramp you while doing it or something like that. So mm-hmm. and then the Eldrazian Taxes deck, which, you know, is playing Aethervile and the card that I just keep going on record and I just keep getting in arguments with people about. And I got to ask Corey about this on Anchor. I think Eldrazi Temple is going to get banned. I just think it is. It's not. We have time. I mean, it, it, Eldrazi would have to be more significant than they are now, which would be surprising for that to happen. I just don't think people will stop playing those cards, and I also don't think that those. I don't. I think that they'll still be perfectly playable. There's still a version of that deck. Are you that's saying? Play are you hierarchy. saying it'll be banned by the end of the Pro Tour? Or are you saying it'll be banned sometime in the future of life? 
sometime in the future of life because I think the, the oh, bannings okay, after fine. the bannings after the pro tour are going to relate to Storm. I'm pretty sure, but the bannings in life will relate to Eldrazi Temple because I just think that that's going to be a thing consistently for long enough. I'm just telling you, Wizards doesn't want to have Soul Lands. They just don't want that to be a thing. It's it's when you have to play sure. multiple copies of a legendary no, no, artifact. No, no. In, in the long run of the universe, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm, I'm saying in the sh- the short run of by the end of March, it'll be banned. I think I would be no, more I won't surprised. Be, it's just the opportunity cost it, is it not would, high it would for have you. To dominate the pro tour. It's a land. It's just a regular land right. that happens to be exceptionally good with certain powerful cards. I, I think I think the the pro tour is going to dictate more. What does what the pro tour will dictate more? What could or could not be banned in modern than any other thing that could happen until then. Fair enough. So and and you know it might be Eldrazi, it might be Storm, it might be Infect again. You know there 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 are random things that pros will because they will they will do their best to break what the format is right now. And seriously, can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> um, and when they do it, Wizards has basically said that they're ready to just in case they break it, have an unban ready to mix the format up while also banning things. Okay, so let's talk about the elephant in the room, which is... The modern Pro Tour. The Storm deck. The the, the <laughs> Thought Knots here. Let's talk about the Storm Grape deck. Grapeshot. Nope. Ah, yeah, there you yeah. go. <laughs> you got Got me. you. Yes. <laughs> that was great. That worked um, out way better than I expected. Yeah, that was clever. Um, so <laughs> Isn't it great when you tell someone something's clever? Because it means it's not really clever. Um, so... It, by you then saying that afterwards, okay, we don't need the yeah, tangent on you on the, you don't the need extra be, level meta game of us insulting each other. You don't need to be podcast. rubber, and I don't need to be glued. Okay, nice so one. Yeah. second grade yeah, status schoolyard. All right, shut up. Let's let's talk about Storm. So, um, Corey's opinion on this was that you know for the last couple months that he's been paying attention and testing, it's pretty clearly just the best deck. Okay, and. I did a thing already uh, that I shared on our, on our group about what made Storm pop back up like this because it did seemingly come out of nowhere. Like Baral has been legal for a while. That was that was and, and Opt recently got printed, but it, before Opt was printed, like Baral was out there, and this deck was already dominating. I, I think I think Opt is important. I think that Storm is a very difficult deck, and the harder the deck is, the harder the time it takes for people to get good enough to pay attention to be able to do well with it is i also think that pros weren't focusing too hard on modern until you know the rptq modern rptqs are this weekend so like there's a little bit more focus on these than there was previously um during the rpt the pptq season for it necessarily and the better players that'll be playing it are now focusing on it the other thing is and 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 back on that difficulty like you know, there's an argument to be made that Birthing Pod decks were the best deck in Modern since the beginning that Modern was created. It was just always the best card in the format. But it was so difficult to, A, find the right list and then find players that were good with that list. Cause that And that deck might have also been one of the hardest decks to ever exist in Modern because so much of it is when you have 17 options every turn, making sure you find the right one to guarantee a win. It's like it's a deck that you will win every single time if you have Birthing Pod, but not every player is going to be able to play to that win. Right. And Splinter and, and Storm classically is also like that. A Storm player that's good knows how many spells do I need. Should I be firing off a um, a ritual into a gifts on turn two? 
or turn three. You know, wasting one of my rituals just the gifts at end of turn so that I can set my next turn off the win. Like, there's a lot of intricate play you do with Storm. But I'll tell you one thing. If a player rituals into gifts ungiven, I am significantly more terrified of them than the reverse. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, what happened to push this into the territory that it is right now, which is the boogeyman, right? The monster in the room. And I think, to, to, to be quite brief about it, what I think you were looking at was Goblin Electromancer was the card that when it was originally printed added what this deck needed to combat the loss of Seething Song. It was originally the card that when it came out, people were like, sure. oh, you know what, I think we can probably do this because this card now exists in our colors and let's try to make this work. Sure. That happened for a while. People played it well. Baral gets printed and all of a sudden it goes from, okay, I get this card some of the time and I can play this way some of the time to I'm going to have a turn two accelerant most of the time. Most right. of the time, and then it became a thing of, well, okay, if you're almost always going to be able to cast something for four on turn three, what's the best possible card we can be doing in this deck that does exactly what we want? Intuition. <laughs> and then it becomes, okay, what does this deck want to do? Well, it wants to generate value in its mana and its card draw, which uh -huh. is like what you're doing when you, you know, mana morphos into things with, a, with an accelerant, and it wants to put cards in its graveyard and its hand. Well... Gibson Given does literally all of those things. Right. I mean, and, and when we were working with, and Gibson has been kind of on and off in Storm forever. When we were working with the um, the marketing company we worked with for that little bit, one of the guys who, who was running it had a Storm deck that he played at GPLA with Gifts Ungiven inside yeah. of it. So it, it, it's something that's always been around. It's just it's finally come to a head where they realize, oh, this is the best thing you can be doing. I also think that, yeah, I... I and, and it's interesting. People keep pointing at Baral as like, oh, we need to get rid of Baral. Wizards prints a all spells and instants cost one less card every other year. Like, That's not the card you ban. I no, think no I think at this point, and if you look at how many cards are on the ban list, kind of how Deathrite Shaman got Bloodbraid Elf banned, Grapeshot needs to go. I, if, if I were to ban something out of the deck, I don't think it kills the deck. You have Aether Flux Reservoir. You have uh, Empty the Warrens. You have Empty the Warrens. So you and and those are both cards that interact in Modern on a in a on a keel that is more on board with what it's doing. It's not on the stack play. You can't top deck one of those to just win. Like like you could go off and storm just assuming you're going to get a grape shot. And if I like thought seize your grape shot out of your hand, you could still get to grape shot. If I destroy an artifact that you have, it's harder, and artifact destruction is more common than counterspells. If you get rid of, if you make a bunch of tokens, I have next turn to play Pyroclasm. Like, I can name a thousand effects that do one damage or more to every creature your opponent controls. You might be right. Yeah, I think Grapeshot's prob probably the card that, you know, if, if this does well like we think it's going to do with the Pro Tour, that's probably the easiest one to cut, because I don't think any of the, even if you ban Gifts Ungiven, which, like, that, that would be the other argument, is you could ban Gifts or you could ban Pass and Flames. I think, I, Pass and Flames kills the deck. I don't know. I don't think. I don't think anything could ever kill Storm. I think that's not possible. <laughs> there's. I mean, Pass and Flame is a very unique card. There's. There's. Sure, but the like there are Storm decks before Pass. Like I, I'm currently playing, or I was in previous. I haven't played Standard since the rotation, I guess. But before previous rotation, I was able to put together a deck that won using Aetherflux Reservoir in Standard using Storm. So like. Yeah, but that's Cheerios decks exist. Like there's just other decks that are out there that will take advantage of Storm in any way. I. I'm not saying this version of the red version with rituals, but even then, I can imagine there's just other effects that will make it survive. 
passive flames does hurt the deck in a much more significant way. The problem with passive flames is that something could be printed any day now that does something enough similar that like it, I don't think Wizards is going to avoid ever printing a card that makes Storm work. Whereas they you play it, Epic Experiment, they are never ever ever going to print Storm ever again. Right, and Grape Shot, and the issue with Grape Shot is there's no way to interact with it. There's no real way to interact with Grape Shot in the format. Can't thought seize it because if you do, they have ways to get it out of the graveyard or ways to draw to more grape shots. The way they go off is they draw a bunch of cards to turn their going off so they can draw in the new effects anyway. So any discard effect, they could just draw into the card they need with a, a well-placed opt or whatever, or whatever other new cantrip sure, they're right, playing. Right. Uh, sleight of hand. The the counter magic in modern isn't good enough, and there's not a stifle effect that's really sees play, so you're not even interacting on the stack. So like. Making them play storm cards that force them to play in the space that everyone else is playing in, even if they do it on their turn, means more to me than and makes the deck a more beneficial member of the modern community than it currently has and always kind of falls back into. They're always going to print cards that make storm good. Like there, there's, it's like affinity. Like there's just anytime they print an artifact, it's like, oh, does this work in affinity? And sometimes it does. <laughs> right. Totally. Um, so. I think we both can kind of agree this this does seem to be the deck to beat, which is, I think, where you have all of these decks that popped up, all of these vile decks, these these aggressive creature decks, trying to take advantage of mana and making it hard to cast spells with. Right. That's what's going on. Um, do you believe that we are seeing a shift, like a paradigm shift in modern, where it's going to be dominated by creature decks and these spell decks are going to get less and less prominent? Or do you think it's just a, just a metagame shift right now, a small one? I think a bunch of people saw Storm win last week. I think uh, because of that, a bunch of people decided to play Storm, and a bunch of people decided to play Thalia. And the people that played Thalia were benefited from it. One person who played Storm also obviously benefited enough by knowing what they were doing, and it was a large enough of a field, and it is probably the best deck in the format, especially if Corey says so. <laughs> He's very smart. <laughs> um, and so when you look at it from that level, you're just kind of dealing with a world of these cards people play creature decks but like the one thing that's really cool about modern right now is it keeps swinging back and forth like it, it, there is a pendulum that goes back and forth every week you know three weeks ago we were talking about or th four months ago with no cards really being banned just some new cards being added affinity was the best deck in the format merfolk was a bad deck this summer we haven't and it's even, had we, two weeks where they've top eighted because they got two, new cards we yeah. haven't even said the two words grixis shadow in this whole episode that's right. like right and that then, should be and an six indicator. months ago people like oh my god we need to ban it's grixis like three Death months shadow. ago it was like yeah. three months six, six and months I, and six. i would still argue black is the best best color in the format it's just it's you know it's gonna swing back and forth eldrazi tron you in this episode have gone from saying it was the best deck that needs a card ban yeah. to Storm needs a card ban instead. Like I, I'm never one to say I think decks need card bans. I, I'm I'm not someone who thinks they need card bans. What right. I will say is things I believe they will ban things. That's different. I, I'm not actually somebody who really likes bannings or unbannings for the most part. I like I I agree with you on bannings. I though I do like saying what could be banned or unbanned. I disagree with you on unbannings. Okay, you like those. Uh I don't like even Golgari Grave Troll was fine. Like the fact that they had to reban it eventually, that had more to do with them printing a bunch of graveyard cards that made it better, not because it was too powerful at the time of it when it, like when it was unbanned, it didn't see any play for like a year and a half. It's true. So like I think a lot of the cards that were put on the ban list at the beginning of modern which we've already discussed this episode is everything up to Broadway <laughs> Elf being banned. <laughs> uh, were put there 
in a different time or a different period or without ever actually existing in the format. And so far, almost every single time we've unbanned one, they've done nothing. Little to nothing, yeah. Or if they, they like they've done nothing, and then sometimes they're good. Like Valakut, you know, was bad and good, and goes back and forth, and it's always been a good card. Great. Bitter Blossom has done nothing. <laughs> yeah. Ancestral Visions sees play, but not like a dominant way. Not in any way that I think no. is problematic. Uh, you know, we have Sword of the Meek hasn't top eighted. Yeah. Since it was unbanned, I think Bitter Blossom has been in a top eight. I don't think. Yeah, I don't know of a sort. Someone please on the internet send us a link of a top eighting. What? Sword of the Meek deck. Oh, yeah. That's, <laughs> that's not a thing. Uh, yeah, so, like, as far as I'm banning go, like, and maybe they've just been doing a good job and they've picked the right cards, but I also think there's just other cards. I think Stoneforge Missing can come off tomorrow, and it may be too good, but at worst it's going to be as good as Snapcaster Mage, which is the best blue card in the format, arguably, probably. But Best creature in the format. Is it a creature? <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah technically. Yeah. Okay. What it about, is a creature. What about Spellskite? Oh, so sad. Two main deck Spellskite made a pro. Made I a saw GP that. Today. I saw that. Somebody on our Facebook group just asked today, what's what's the deal with Spellskite's price and prominence being so far down? I thought it was a mo- removal-heavy format. Like, But uh, what are you removing? It's it's a removal-heavy format that's just, it's it's clearing away, and it's not about, it's like the decks that are playing a lot of removal want to go one for one. And Look, when Splinter Twin got Sky. banned, Spell Sky just became so much less good. Yeah, and and it was the best. Though no, it, with Infect still around, it was holding around. But when Splinter Twin and then like a year and a half later, Infect both got taken out. Yeah, it was just it, it's the two decks it preyed upon. The, the of the three prominent decks it preyed upon, the two good ones got banned. The the other one boggles. Yep, not Noggles. Nice for all Look people that might be wrong, uh, confused. Uh, boggles the green white enchantment deck. Is not a real deck all the time. Yes. Um, the other question and comment that I have for you is that we did not talk about perhaps the sickest creature in all of humans. And that's the fact that they're playing Mantis Rider. They're playing Mantis it's true. Rider. It's a human. It's it's uh I did it's, not realize that. I knew it was a monk. It's lightning angel light and yeah. uh it's sick. It's pretty light. Yeah. Well it's well lightning angel is a three four, so yeah, I'm like angels are heavy and Lightning is the same card, except it's a 3-4 for 4, and this is a 3-3 three, three for 3. Is yeah. that what it is? Yeah. Which is like would have been super, super notable in Modern for a long time. Except it was, which is why this didn't see play. But then now that... Yeah, now that Bolt's just not that card anymore. It's yeah. like... And Bolt's still really important to the format, and, you know, but it's just not what it was. It's not in that, like, yeah. Oh, a correction on last week's episode, because we literally went from last week being like red is at the bottom of the heap, and then now we're like, yeah. and Storm's too good. Sure. Uh, we forgot about Storm. I'll admit it right now. I mean, look, two weeks ago, it was not the, the elephant in the room that it is. Like, sure, because it, it, it won two SCG events, or it like, top eight it or did one. Well, it did well, it just two weeks in a row. There's just been Three a lot weeks of chatter. In a row. There's yeah. just been a lot of chatter yeah, about it the last but few we, weeks. We, we definitely will admit that I probably would have put red one rung higher than I did. Just because of Storm. Because, of, because of the Storm cards in general. Yeah. It's funny rituals. that Time Spiral brought us those two Storm cards we're talking about, and like didn't see like most of the storm cards they printed in time spiral sucked they were almost all bad yeah because there's only two threats yeah but they printed storm two. cards that matter are the ones oh no no oh the third one oh we didn't even talk about it oh man dragon storm <laughs> get, <laughs> get ready <laughs> uh that's the one that i also hope happens like like that's like like if storm is dragon storm aetherflux Re- reservoir and um 
empty the warrens are like the conditions yeah. it has to use like i think we're in a way sweeter place <laughs> i wish dragonstorm and modern was a thing i wish that that was like people have played I think it. got rid of grape shot dragonstorm could be a thing i, I don't like, i don't know why it wouldn't be there's enough there's like a there's a dragon that when it enters the battlefield all dragons in play do damage like there's like enough things to make that tribal work and you could just do it <laughs> you just do it and then play thunder my hellkites that just like also are really good <laughs> uh but like yeah, I think there's enough to not have grape shot. I don't know why grape shot's there. It does. It's like it inherently a hard thing to interact with that just like makes it not as fun. And other storm effects are just going to be way sweeter. And and the thing I we I like touched on it briefly, but we kind of got distracted. Uh, Epic experiment is what replaces uh, um, the gifts. No, no, no. Uh, the graveyard refill. Card. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, past the flames. Past the flames. Um, one thing I do want to point out, speaking of sick... It's not nearly as good for everyone who's now getting ready to tweet me that Epic Experiment is nowhere as close, but, like... The other thing I want to point out that is uh, from the Time Spiral era that is super, super sweet... Is it Chronozoa? Uh, well, it's it's reference to the fact that the Chronozoa deck that we talked about on the show a couple weeks ago that you were such a hater on, I got, like, dozens and dozens of comments and messages and call-ins on the show about how sweet of an idea it was and how excited people were to try that's, to build the Solemnity deck. That's because my raid <laughs> fosters <laughs> alliances between you and other people. <laughs> people were excited about the idea of using Chronozoa, which... No, nothing brings people together like raid. <laughs> nothing brings people together like my stupid deck ideas. Uh, the yeah, I've been working on my Scrib Ranger Grand Architect one, by the way. I That's gotta... I'm all about Scrib Ranger and Grand Architect. Do you want to do a, a three-minute deck tech? I got it on my phone right no, now. No, no, no. I think that this episode is now... <laughs> This episode is now null and void because yeah, I null and mentioned void. Yeah, script ranger. This episode. We're re-recording this whole thing, and uh, I'm going to make this joke at, this, at the end of the next one, and it'll be confusing. My literal favorite thing that happened with that idea was that I posted a thing on Twitter that was like, can't believe I missed the interaction with these two cards. And like several people were like, I don't get it. What does it do? And you're like, makes mana? And they're like, I thought I had missed something. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just, it just script ranger does a net neutral with... With Grand Architect. It's, like, so bad. It's basically it's... <laughs> a blue creature in a Grand Architect deck. It's actually... To, but it's to be... better with other cards, and it's way better with... The two drops. It's way better with the two... Like, it, it, it works better with the parts of Grand Architect that were always a little clunkier, and so making them better is better, and it also works better with Improvise and uh, the other one. The uh, uh, convoke. Yeah, it, what, it's what it's really better with is it makes it makes the the two the two uh, whatever veteran weaponsmith whatever that card's called the one three. The, yeah, the basically there's like the one there's the one three. All artifacts have convoke. No, no, no. There's the Dalkin engineer, which is the one one for two that taps for two of any color to cast artifacts and activated abilities. And then there was the veteran weaponsmith, the one that searches for vile dragonheart or whatever and oh, swap oh, oh, oh. Above, but okay. it also taps to add two. For, sure. So you have the one three and the one one both for two that tap for two. It makes those better. It, I also it makes the convoke guy better because now you get it taps for two mana to do for a convoke off of one creature. Oh sure, right Cause, because cause you untap one, yeah, it taps yeah. itself, so you get two taps out of it. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's pretty and, good. And so, which also means that like if you have an artifact in play, it can use that artifact to tap for improvised spells. So even the one that gives all cards improvise. That's clever. There's, there's stuff that's going on here. That's uh, clever. I, yeah. A lot of cards that worked together almost as good get better with Scrib Ranger in the deck, and it doesn't make Grand Architect worse, which is generally what the case is with these situations. Scrib Ranger with the two the two man accelerants gets you five mana on turn three, which yeah. is what that's what like the deck is trying and just playing trying to play like swords and things like that. 
to cast those things sure. and attack. And so, I, yeah, I made the list. It's fine. It's banned. It's not. It's like, I've I've done it in my phone a couple times. It seems fun. It doesn't seem like actually very good, but it seems like it's fun. Sure. So yeah. All yeah. right. There's your there's your three minute deck tech. I just yeah. I just you snuck you that it. one in there. Snuck it in. This has been a sneaky episode. A lot of tricks. A yep. lot of tricks of the trade. So yeah, I think that traps. pretty much uh, you know recaps kind of where we're at with modern uh, the meta yeah, game. The moral and... of the story is play mind break trap. Yeah, sick. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, guys, thanks for sticking with us. Thanks for being patient, and giving us that week off. Uh, we are definitely a hundred percent going to be trying our damnedest to give you guys more consistent content. Um, yes, it, it, there are two extremely busy seasons uh, for us work-wise, and this is just one of those two, and we are going to do our better one. This is an accidental one. Uh, normally, spring-summer is the time we're traveling the most, and so we planned ahead of that time, and we recorded episodes, and even then we missed stuff. This one, we kind of got hit from left field on how busy it's ended up being. We had, which is a good thing, it's just people are more excited about what we're doing in the fall than we thought they were, so we just have to kind of catch up. Yes, exactly. Uh, on that note, you should go to thinkgeek.com right now and search Emergent Genesis. That is the game that Brian David Marshall made. He was on the episode uh, a year and a half ago talking about it yep. uh, when he was kickstarting it. It's now at ThinkGeek. Uh, we helped get him on there, so buy some. It's a superhero game, deck building game, so you're kind of building your own superhero Harry Potter style. Uh, make sure to check out the collected.company website we talked about before command zones there we're there great stuff is there make sure to check out the facebook uh uh we do want to make one announcement in regards to the facebook uh there has been a huge growth in the community and you know because we're so busy and and because people have just become really good community members there, there it's definitely become apparent that we need community moderators and so uh hagen kirk who you've heard us talk about before he's done the data dump uh, every week uh, to talk about uh, kind of showing what kind of data has been happening during the weekend for different modern tournaments uh, already has agreed to, to work with us to be the moderator. So he is, we're announcing he's the officially first Masters of Modern Facebook group moderator. He had, you know, with yeah. great power comes great responsibility. He's been killing it. He's definitely been really on top of it. Like it's it's been a nice breath of fresh air to have support from someone in the community who's giving us statistical information that we're able to use to break down and give you guys the news and kind of you know draw our opinions and stuff. So thanks, Hagen. That's been awesome, and I very much appreciate it. Congrats on helping Woo. us with the page. And everyone, can, everyone, go to the Facebook and tag and, him and congratulate him. And keeping and then, the trolls off because like yeah. there's been a couple there's been a couple instances now of trolls getting in there and trolling. Oh yeah, and, don't don't post an open poll to the group if you post a poll put your options in and then there's an option to make it so it's not open because then people can put their own options in and then people are posting things and they're 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 yeah i mean it makes me have to delete the poll and a lot of times the poll questions are really good they're like oh what deck of these five decks should i take this weekend and then someone's like troll options and then i'm like well i have to delete this because this is offensive and like and like also i mean i think it goes without saying if you're actually listening to our podcast this late into the podcast you're probably not the people we have to say this to but stuff like advertising you know you're selling your cards or local well, tournaments yeah, in your city. It's like that's just not what the group's about. That that's that I'm less worried about because those yeah. are just. Those, I mean, we'll we'll delete those posts, FYI. But that has more to do with just that there are Facebook groups for that, and yeah. ours is not a centralized location. It's one of the reasons we've had trouble partnering with card stores in the past is that like there's no reason for a card store unless you're an online retailer. We our audience is everywhere, and we have people right. in Australia. Shout out to all the Australians. Shout out to the Aussies. Especially, especially the ones who have done like higher Patreon things and we can't ship them stuff because they're very far away and it's like yeah. more expensive <laughs> to ship them. And the ones that play Chronozoa. Um, so, right. so thanks to everyone. Thanks, Hagen. Thanks, Jimmy and Josh. 
doing all the awesome content they do. Make sure to follow us on Twitter. Yeah, Twitter, the MM Cast, Ben Baby Media, Kess Wiley. Uh, Instagram. Instagram. We do post there sometimes. Yeah, I got a Halloween pumpkin that I made that is a, a black lotus that I'll be posting a picture of this week. Very cool. And uh, last but not least, guys, just one last reminder, 10 Minutes of Modern. You guys will get content every day if you check that out. So uh, go ahead and download Anchor.fm, find the station. And if you want to find past episodes, you can find it on podcast apps everywhere. Or there's a whole list of archived podcast episodes on the app, which I was bad about updating for a while. But I promise you, I've been better about recently, and I'll continue to do so. So thanks for listening, guys, and uh, we will we will talk to you talk to you soon. Yeah. Bye, everybody. Love you. Bye. Thank you for your attention. See you later, alligator. <laughs>